Welcome to episode 55 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of our entrepreneurial journey. Today we have a guest with us. This is one of our our monthly guests. We have Dustin Coleman from Coltec out of New Hampshire. Dustin, how are you doing, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me, man. Good, good to talk to you. And then we also, of course, have Jared. Jared, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm here, breathing and stuff. <laughs> Just another week. Good way to start the day. <laughs> yeah. I try to breathe every morning, at least once, make sure I'm human. Right. So, so Dustin, why don't you uh, just kind of give us just a picture of what you guys do and who you guys are. Right. So um, uh, my wife and I, we own a Coltec and it's a, it's a soft good manufacturer. Um, so sewing mainly, uh, we're located up here in New Hampshire and we're the ones actually, you know, manufacturing all the goods and we gear, you know, main almost exclusively towards the firearms industry. And within that, it's a lot of, uh, you know, competitive long range shooting gear. So, uh, it's kind of a niche of a niche, but, uh, it seems to keep us more than busy. And, uh, you know, we have some other things now that since we've been, we've been growing, we picked up some other contract sewing stuff for, for other people outside of the, the gun world but you know by and large it's it's all firearm stuff so a lot of multi-cam fabrics rolling around here and um you know my wife complains because the colors are boring but you know <laughs> it, it definitely it keeps her out of trouble so yeah yeah i was i've been waiting for those suppressor covers to come out that are like super neon colors you know super bright <laughs> Dude, we make we make we make uh, Hawaiian suppressor covers for. There's a, a gun shop down in Texas that they just they were like, we really want just as wild as you can get, and I'm like, oh, we got some Hawaiian fabric here, and <laughs> it's so cool. uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, tell me about what did you do before Coltec? So, um, before Coltec, I was actually a design engineer for Ruger Firearms. Okay. Um, so worked a lot on, uh, mainly all the rifle lines. Uh, so designing, uh, new models or derivatives of, of existing models and doing, you know, process improvements. So, um, definitely a lot of, of different, uh, tasks there, you know, all around, all around, uh, keeping those lines up and going and, and improving them. So, uh, you know, when I was there, I really started getting more and more into suppressed shooting and it kind of, it led us down this path of, you know, I needed a suppressor cover and I, I bought someone else's and, and destroyed it the first day that I was out there. And <laughs> then my wife got pissed when she found out how much I spent on it. And so then she made one for me. And then my buddies there at root at, at work, they're like, Oh man, that's awesome. I want one too. So then made a couple for them and then put up a small website and, and, you know, just, rolled it from there and it was it was never really intending to be a, a, a business when we started it was just you know just a side thing for for my wife because she's she's quite a sewing wizard um and then it's just it's taken off from there and and this this winter will be five years from when we first turned on the website mm -hmm. and um you know a lot is a lot has changed from from that time but you know still to this day suppressor covers man are are our biggest item. And we, we make those, we've got that process down pat and we've got, it's a, it's a pretty neat system. Um, both the cover itself and then the process that we use to make them. I mean, when we, when we first started making them, I mean, it took for 
forever to to lay all this stuff out and to get everything all you know just right and now i mean we're a fraction of that time and and making them look even better than they were before so you know that's the part that i really like is is you know making a product and then really refining that process to 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 make it efficient so yeah absolutely so how long was that did it take from from selling that you know know, from selling the first few to kind of when you started to figure out hey you know you know we're, we're onto something here right so um you know that first six months we were selling one here a couple there you know and it was it was enough to where it was worth our time uh it was worth her time and then um you know we started uh you know really getting out with social media and i would say it was probably eight months into it i was like dang you know this is starting to take up more and more of our time but you know uh i I did still didn't think that um, leaving, you know, a, a, my dream job. I mean, when I, I moved out to New Hampshire from Wisconsin for Ruger, cause it was, you know, my dream job. Um, and so, you know, I, I didn't think that it, that would be a thing. And then, uh, I'd say like a year and a half into it, you know, it turned into where I was working all day there, coming home, running the kids around for a couple hours. And then it was, you know, my wife and I, grinding away from eight o'clock at night to three, four o'clock in the morning. And, you know, we did that for probably six months straight before like, we're like something has to give. And, um, you know, and foolishly when I, when I left Ruger, I was like, I'm going to have so much time. I'm not even going (laughs) to know what to do with, with all this spare time. Uh I I feel like we need to tell you our, our running joke, man. Uh, Greg and I have said this a million times. It's like when you start your business, you have freedom. You have the freedom to choose when you're going to work your 80 to 90 hours a week. Dude, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And that's, and you know, and that's the thing. Cause I, I went into this not really thinking there was going to be a business. It, I thought, you know, I was going to work like half days, mm-hmm. be able to spend all this time with the kids. And, and I, I like, I definitely have, there are, they're given takes like, you know, um, I, you know, when we go on different trips and events, like a lot of times the kids will come with us. So like, you know, there's that benefit, but like the grind, you know, through the week, I mean, yeah, it was, it's, it's no joke how much effort it takes. And, and even when I'm home, like there's emails and, you know, messages and, you know, trying to keep all that stuff straight and together. I, I wish, you know, that's something that I've been kind of trying to figure out lately is, like all these different messaging platforms that people seem to reach me on. Yeah. I need to consolidate them. Cause like Some, somebody needs to make which maybe there already is, but somebody needs to make a platform that gathers Instagram, Facebook, uh, emails and just put everything into one, one place where you isn't can, that woof woof from the office, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Cause like, man, between all those places, I, every now and then I catch myself slipping up and I, I kick myself because I, I can't keep them. I can't keep up with them all. Well, the, well, the worst is when the same person sends a message to all of those and yeah. now you figure out, wait, is this the same person? Is it not? It takes you yeah. longer to figure it out than it does to, you know, just shoot a message back. Especially and- because their Facebook will be their real name. Their Instagram is some made up 
whatever. Right. So until you connect the dots, you know, I, I was trying to explain, I forget who I was talking to, but it's super weird to try to explain all of this to somebody outside of the entrepreneur realm, outside of the small business ownership realm, especially if they don't really do much with social media, just how much time is consumed with communicating. Yeah. Just, just communicating on social platforms is a substantial amount of time um, as you're, as you're growing your business. And you know, like you said, you leverage social media with your company as well. And that's kind of the path that a lot of people go. Um, how big of a role did that play? In Dude, it was yeah. jumpstarting you huge. Um, so I will admit I did not have an Instagram account until about three months into, uh, starting the business. And I had, um, he was actually a YouTuber who I was trying to send gear out to. He's like, Oh, let me take you on Instagram. And I'm like, well, crap, you can't. So <laughs> I quickly made an account and then you're like, so it's a, it's an, it's an awesome platform, um, for, you know, kind of showcasing, you know, different types of, I guess, products. And, you know, um, I've, I, the big thing that I've learned with, with all those is like, it has to be constant. At least that's, at least that's what I found like constantly posting. And even if it's, I do a lot of reposting and I, I realize I'm really lazy when it, you know, with that stuff and I need, and I'm trying to do better with more original content, but at least like, there's something happening every day and I'm interacting with people every day, you know, where if you go to some of those companies and they don't post for, you know, three, four weeks or months, yeah. you know, it's like you kind of just fall off the radar and you kind of always have to make sure that something is, is popping up in your customer feeds or potential customer feeds. So well, it, I'm, I'm 50, 50 on, reposts and original stuff and, and and me personally i think it should i think it should be about 50 50 because yep. you know when i go to some big companies account and it's a hundred percent all of just their stuff it makes me i mean one it just seems like it's all canned stuff and i'm like okay it, and then i i think it's so important for people to see other people like them using your stuff and yep and it also for me, I like I've been able to build a whole. Um, I've been I've been able to build relationships and build a whole thing off of off of reposting other people's stuff and, and having conversations with them and um, it's kind of a it's kind of a give give thing. You know, they give posts to me and I repost to the, um, their stuff and it just it benefits everybody. Right. Well, and we we have a lot of customers that you know they kind of geek out when they when they realize like, Oh my gosh, you actually saw my, my picture and you, you know, um, so, and, and you were took enough time to repost it. So, you know, it's a good way to interact with, with some of those customers who, who are kind of, I guess the unofficial brand ambassadors who are out there, you know, using your gear, showing it off and, and, you know, it's kind of an attaboy to them too for, for doing that. So. Right. And they're going to sell <clears throat> 10, things to their buddies faster than you're going to sell, you know, you know, something from you posting. Exactly. It. So yeah, it, it's encouraging your customers to, to post stuff and let their friends know about it. I think is super important. Right. And something that I keep saying too, is like everything that leaves our, our door here is kind of a, an advertisement in itself. So like, 
you know, when someone gets their stuff, they're showing it off, like you said, to all their buddies. And, you know, you can't get a much better ad than someone, you know, seeing it like that and and interacting with it. So that's where, you know, we really, we make sure that everything that leaves the store is like something that we'd want to end up on social media, that we'd want someone showing off to their buddies because, I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't take long and a couple bad things going out and those get shared around real quick. Yeah. So I want to go back real quick. Um, so how long did you say it was between coming out with it and then going, you and your wife going full time with it? Right. So it was about two years, um, okay. just over two years. Uh, and so, yeah, this winter will be three years. And, um, then how long before you hired your first employee? Um, like two months it was yeah it it was and that's kind of um that hiring employees has been something that i did not realize would be as difficult as it as it has been um you know we when we first started when i when i went full-time we were in our garage at our at our house and my wife mentioned this and i'll admit it i should have listened to her more um you know she said she really didn't like the idea of having employees at our house and I, I love my employees, but like our house is secluded. You cannot see our neighbor and, and we, we like our house because of that. But, um, you know, having, having employees roll up and I, like I said, I love them, but it takes away from that home feeling. And, and it definitely, she saw it before I did. And it wasn't long after that. And we outgrew that space. So, um, you know, but having employees around, um, I mean, it's helped us a ton, but boy, it's been a struggle finding good employees that, that are, are, are pushing and, and, um, you know, sewing's a, a pretty well dead skill and especially like commercial sewing, industrial sewing. A lot of people know how to make like a dress or a bag or something, you know, simple little with lightweight fabrics. Right. It's production sewing where we're trying to crank out, you know, you know, heavy duty materials with heavy duty machines and, and still try to do it efficiently. It's, we can't, we've never hired anybody who, who has those skills out here. We've had to teach them all. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're, you know, you know you're going to be putting, putting time and money into training somebody. And then you got to hope that they stick around long enough to make that. Exactly. Make that worth it, right? Yep. Yep. And we've, we've found some good ways to, to do that. And we're, we're definitely learning a ton in that department as both, you know, how we hire people, you know, who we hire, what we do to keep people, you know, how we train them. So, you know, but it's all these things that sure you can read books on it, but they're, they've never been tailored to what our specific thing. And it wasn't, you know, it's general stuff that I feel like a lot of times the books are common sense stuff. And if you don't, like if you're not hitting those points that are pretty common sense, it's sure read the book, but like, when it comes down to, to, you know, getting those fine details and that, that fit us specifically, we've just had to figure it out. Yeah. So we're still kind of talking about the beginning and even kind of touched on us. So maybe you already answered this, but if you could, if you could do anything different from, from selling that first one to, to, you know, officially having your own full-time business and everything, what would you do different in that? That time. So, I mean, 
I think the big thing is, is try to look at scalability and, you know, trying to understand what it would take from the beginning, you know, from making, look, looking at the, at the setup, what it takes to make one of these to, you know, what it takes to make a hundred of these. And, and I think, you know, I don't, sometimes I get so focused on, you know, hyper productivity sometimes and, and not necessarily product, but like that it's hard for me to accept something that isn't, that isn't perfect. Like I'll put so much effort into trying to, you know, set up this process. So it's absolutely perfect, even though, you know, it's, it, it's not at that point that requires perfection as far as the process goes. Now, you know, the final, the final product itself, um, you know, we try to, make it as close to perfect as possible. Um, but, uh, I guess having a better understanding of, of that, of the, I guess really having a better understanding of the, the, the type of business that I was getting into. And cause I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about running a sewing business when, when we first started, like, you know, and that's, and that's, I joke about that. Like when I was at Ruger, like if, if when I, you know, first started at Ruger and someone said, Hey, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to be, you're going to be leaving this place to go, you know, run your own sewing business out of, you know, laughed at them. So I, you know, I, I wish I'd have known a little bit more about that. Um, but yeah, maybe, and listen to my wife when it came to, uh, not having, not, not trying to put employees at the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell, don't tell her that I, that I should listen to her. Well, so speaking I'll, of your, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say, just thinking about, your comment on, you know, not having any experience in operating or owning a sewing business. How hard was it to price out your, your first suppressor covers as you started manufacturing them? And I, what I mean is figuring out the retail price of those that did that make it complicated for you? Not at all. Uh, I mean, so the big thing that I've always said and, or that I've looked at is like, it doesn't really matter how much it costs to make as far as setting retail price, it, all what matters is what the market's willing to bear. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so as long as, um, as long as it makes sense, uh, you know, and I guess, especially when you're the one doing, putting in the labor, um, you know, you can, it's pretty easy to lay out what materials cost and, and that stuff. So it's, it's really that labor portion. And when you're putting in the labor, I mean, my wife and I, we worked here for two years. We worked at this for over two years before we took a dime out of it. So like, um, you know, it, it, uh, just, I guess trying to, for me, it was easy to look at because I feel like I kind of know the firearms industry well enough. Like I could see what, where everybody else is priced at. And if you just kind of stay within that, that ballpark of, you know, upper tier, you know, cause we were, we weren't, we're not competing against Chinese products in their pricing and, you know, they don't compete on us with, with quality. So I, uh, you know, I kind of look around at what other people were doing for pricing and just kind of set us in, in that area. And, and when labor is, you know, quote unquote free, you know, since it's us, you know, we just looked at it as paying ourselves. So it was easy at, in the beginning. I will say now there's definitely more effort that goes into it because we have, you know, we have to pay other people for it, but I have enough experience now that 
I, I, I can get a pretty good swag on, on where stuff should be. And that's been, I will say that has been tough um, because both my wife and I, I mean, we can, we can sew pretty darn well. I'm, and so a lot of times when I, when I first started, you know, I'll run through a couple samples to time stuff out to see about how long it would take. And then I'd send it off to, you know, everyone else. So and it would, wouldn't even get close to that. And I had to realize like, you know, I can, I can push stuff through fairly quick and, but that doesn't mean everybody can. So getting more, I guess, realistic, um, you know, ideas as far as costs go, um, has, has been a learning process. I remember doing that too. I, I mean, I, I built <clears throat> thousands of neomags by myself and man, I can, I can bust through them. No problem. I can, I, I can bend clips like a machine. And then I was trying to figure out my, my, my pricing, you know, you know, what should I expect? You know, how many, how many per hour and stuff. And, and I would take my time and divide it in half. I'm like, okay, let's just, let's right. go with that. Well, I hired my first few people and, and they weren't even doing that. And they're like, Oh man, I, you know, you know, maybe I should be doing this. And, but you know, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, you know, you know, that realistic, uh, you know, man hour per unit. Right. You know, it could be tricky. And then, like you were saying earlier, you know, you know, you've got some new employee and you're, you're, you're putting time in them and you're trying to get them spooled up and you're probably losing money to begin with. And then you hope that they get to the point where they're, you know, still be cranking them out and start making you money. And it's right. definitely a, a challenge. Well, and I think the big thing that all three of us, I think face is, you know, we're all manufacturers, which making things, it's hard. It's really hard. There's a lot that goes into it. And I think, you know, that's something that, um, sometimes I, I kind of envy some of those people who are just, uh, I don't want to say resellers, but you know, they, yeah. they, they have somebody else manufacture their goods and they just, they move it, which that takes work too. But like setting up some of these things is, is it takes a lot of time and effort and planning and, you know, um, but it's, it's a lot more rewarding and I control, you know, I control my own process. I control my own destiny. I don't have to worry about, you know, excuses coming from somebody else saying, you know, oh, sorry, you know, this X, Y, Z happened. You know, if something happens, it's because, because of my actions. So, I mean, it's, it's good and it's bad, but I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is like how much effort it takes to actually make a physical product, you know, take raw materials, or rawish materials and turn it into something usable. Yeah, it, it really, it, you said it right. It, it really is just super cool. And it, it, yeah, it takes something that's just a, a bar of stock or a roll of material. And, yep. and when you turn that into when it leaves, it's, it's something completely different. It's, I think I also said, you know, you said control uh, to me. I love having that control over the, quality of it being able to make tweaks to it play with that process yeah. I, my last product the century strap you know i'm not making those so i've it's on one hand it's it's been nice just to write a check and wait for them to come in and, and we just pack them and move them but at the same time it's been really hard for me to have a product yeah. where I, I don't have that you know, i don't have that control over right but yeah at the same time you know um you know, I think, I think it's good that maybe you recognize that, 
you probably don't want to get into sewing because I mean, no, you I you could you have the skills that if you wanted to you could you could figure it out. I could, yeah. But your resources are better spent elsewhere. Yeah. And and that's the time is that is that, um, man. If I I joke if if I could find a way to just hit a pause button for the rest of the world and give me like forty eight hours where the rest of the world stops and I can catch up on everything, man, I would be like sitting so well, but that time, that time never stops, man. Yeah. So you mentioned your wife and, you know, and it sounds like she's really the one that, that, that sparked us, you know, she made the first one and she's the one who sort of skilled us. So what does that, there's all kinds of stuff we could probably get into here. Just, you know, we've talked uh-huh. about, uh, you know, I mean, Jared, the past, we talked about business partners. Now your wife is your business partner and she's also, so what's that been like to work with your wife? Let's, let's start there. It's awesome in some ways and it's really difficult in others. Um, you know, it's, it's awesome in that. I mean, I don't, there isn't a person in this world that I trust more than her. So like when, you know, when, when we're talking with each other, trying to come up with, you know, new plans, it's, you know, I 100% know that we're both, we both have the same goals. Um, but it's hard when, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys have business partners, but there's times where you disagree on stuff and, and it's sometimes those disagreements can kind of get, you know, you really start pushing each other and, and it's hard sometimes to, to be able to, okay, we're kind of sparring a little bit as, as business partners, but then when it's all said and done, like, all right, let's move on as, as a married couple and, and, you know, and I feel like that would be the hardest part for me because you, you know, I have, I know Greg's kind of rolling solo with employees as far as partners, but um, you know, I have a couple of business partners and there's, I can totally relate to the disagreements and, and having different ideas and opinions and things like that. But at the end of the day with my wife, I can go home and separate, you know, I, I don't have that um, constant tension that could potentially be there. So I could, right. man, I could, I could see how sometimes that could get pretty difficult uh, well, depending on what you're navigating. Yeah. And I think the big thing that we've tried, we try saying that we're doing this and, and sometimes we do really well with it. Um, you know, we, we try to set up, I guess, you know, defined roles like, okay, you are in charge of this area, this area, this area, and I'm in charge of these areas. And, you know, really just, you know, you can have disagreements, but in the end, you know, who's ever, who's ever sandbox that is, you know, you go with their gut and, and run with it. Um, Cause yeah, otherwise, uh, we, we've had some, some heated discussions about <laughs> stuff and it's, and it sucks. I believe it, it. And you know, you can say that, Oh, you know, we don't want to, we don't want it to carry over, but, um, it, it does. And, and you know, it's, that's been a learning process for us. So how long sure, have you guys, how have you, how long have you been married? I just wanted to get that in here quick. Uh, 14 years. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. insane. That's cool. Yeah. Insane in a good way. I don't mean yeah. in, no, in a no. crazy way, but that, that's in, insane because a lot of people don't, you know, aren't, aren't married that long. Right. That's cool. I mean, it means you obviously have a strong relationship and, um, and you have trust with each other. Right. Which is I, a, a huge deal. Yeah. I kind of like her. I'm planning on keeping her around for a little bit longer <laughs> as long as she'll have me. This until so. the marriage license expires. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so what is your guys, it, what's your wife's strengths and your strengths and how does that work together? So, um, 
I would say my wife is definitely, uh, you know, as far as uh, her strengths, she is much better at, at sewing and having an eye for quality. Um, as far as, you know, she can, she can look at an item across the room and say, those two stitches over there aren't quite square with each other. And I'm like, what in the world go over there and look and you know sure enough so she can she can just look at something and, and pick out those fine details where i mean i've i'm i mean i'm a stickler for quality too but she has she has an eye for it um and um you know myself i'm much more uh i guess technically uh savvy as far as you know a lot of our equipment is automated and you know working and tinkering on that stuff and coming up with with new designs um you know so like i I feel like i'm a better i i am a better designer when it comes to new products um but she's a much more you know she can she can build just about anything it just you know she so yeah i guess those are probably the two aspects and and we talk a lot of times too about like we're a really good balance um you know there's some things where um if if you ever met my wife i mean she's kind of a a no no bs lady like she 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 tells it the way it is and where sometimes i'm a little bit more timid and and kind of i guess maybe beat around the bush so you know if we we joke like if if she ran everything, you know, like we'd have nobody, nobody working for us. And, and it would be, uh, you know, it would be like rule of iron fist. And if, and if I ran everything all by myself, like it would just be a, a crap show where, you know, everything's just come, you know, goes out as it is. And, and so like we, we, we definitely have a good balance of each other, but um yeah so I, who would you say is the the bigger dreamer who's me for sure got yeah. the big picture okay yeah so like she Some, somebody's got a yeah somebody usually is the dreamer and yeah. the person that's kind of like thinking these are the massive big goals that i have they might in a business partner relationship one at least one of the members is kind of the big dreamer and i right. was gonna say you i i kind of figured that you would be you would be the dreamer. Right. Well, and the other thing that we balance, she is super conservative when it comes to making business decisions, like to the point where, you know, if she was in charge of it, we wouldn't have made any decisions to do anything. And, uh, you know, and I'm such a big dreamer sometimes, you know, that if I was in charge of everything, we would have a, you know, a half a million square foot facility with, you know, robots running everywhere <laughs> and no way to pay for it. And so like, it, it's a good, it's a good balance. Cause yeah, I do kind of sometimes get off into, into left field and start, start dreaming and kind of get ourselves. Uh, she, she brings me back to reality sometimes where it's like, Oh yeah, well maybe we, maybe we can't do that yet. And that's good. How much does she, how involved is she in the, in, in, in the greater industry, yeah, did, how should keep a pulse on the on the bigger industry side of things? Not, not really. I mean, so she she's not anti-gun at all, but she's just guns aren't her thing. Like mm-hmm. she she she'll go out shooting, she'll do it, but she's like she'd much rather be, you know, out riding her horse or gardening or you know doing other stuff. And that's um, so she really doesn't keep a, a pulse on on the industry side of it. Um, 
you know, that's, that's okay. And yeah, I, mean, I feel like it's probably good in some ways to have somebody who isn't emotionally attached to, right. You know, to guns and the industry side of things and is more just focused on the business and you know, but yeah, it's probably a good thing to have. Yeah, it is. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of, this is getting deep. So I'm, I'm kind of like warning you here. And this is where okay. my mind is always, like this is where my intrigue comes in when I'm trying to learn about a, a different business owner. So it's okay if you don't have a solid answer, you know, you got to think about it for a couple minutes or whatever. So when, when we're owning a business or starting something out, no doubt we're going to get bombarded with thoughts and things in our head, doubts, stuff like that. So what do you think the biggest lie is that you've believed through this journey and that something that might hold you back? What, what would you put your finger on? The biggest lie that's preventing entrepreneurs for starting their own thing? Just for you personally, I, I, I look back and one of the lies could be for me, you know, thinking I don't know enough. You know, right. I, I don't have the skills, the knowledge to do a business. So I'm just curious right. what you would say. So, question. I mean, I think the big thing was, you know, oh, there isn't a big enough market for this, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's something that held us back for a while in that, you know, we basically built a business off of suppressor covers, which like if you, if you ask anybody who isn't involved, well, you, if even people who are involved in the industry sit there and say, you can have a business making covers that go on a you know, a small niche item. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can do it. There's there. If you, if you have a good enough product and you execute well enough and, and keep at it, like it doesn't matter how small the niche is. If you're, if you, you know, can control enough of it, it's, oh, I built I, I a business off pocket mag holder. Yeah. <laughs> Magnets with a clip on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, talk about a niche. Right. Uh, so, so yeah. So I think sometimes people, people think too big as far as like they see, you know, they need to be an Apple or a Facebook or, you know, Ford, you know, you don't, you don't need to be that you can, you can keep busy enough and do well enough in some of those small things. And, and sometimes like, you know, that's sure a lot of the sewing that we do or sewing in general, you know, we're competing against Asia and, but we niche down far enough that like it's so small of a, a segment that it's not worth China's time to mess with. So, you know, we, we seem to, I don't know where I'm going with that, but like, you know, it's small enough where it's small enough where China won't mess with it, but it's big enough for us to, to employ us, employ. We've got six employees already and, and, um, and really stay busy with it. So, and we need, we need more employees beyond that. So I think that's, that's awesome. the biggest thing. And I was super surprised when I saw my first Chinese Neo Mag knockoff. I'm like, really? This yeah. is like, this is it's such a small niche thing that, how is how is this worth you know some chinaman's time and right it's yeah it, it's they're amazing yeah not in a good way over there they're just right yeah so yeah. i think i think that's a big thing and i think the other one too is you know people sometimes think that you have to you have to come up with a completely new and revolutionary idea 
to, to start a business and you know, Oh, there's somebody already out there doing that. Well, there might be someone doing it, but not doing it the way how you're going to do it. Or, you know, you're going to find a better way to do it. And, and you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to invent the light bulb to start a company. Like I like to think of it and I forget, maybe I was reading a book or something. I forget exactly where I got this reference from, but one of the things that with TA, what we've done really well is the culture end of it. You know, the culture yeah. with our team, the culture with the interactions with the customer. I'm going to, I would admit to anybody, you know, what we've done with steel targets isn't rocket science. We buy the best raw materials. We came up with a pretty innovative way to mount them and pretty unique bases, but nothing is, you know, we're, we're not talking about some hidden tech that didn't exist up right. until this point. So you could copy what we've done with the target systems, but you're going to work really hard to do that and then mimic the culture. Right. You, know, we, you can control those aspects and it is encouraging when you see other companies that are doing something that, you know, I wouldn't say is super revolutionary by, you know, exactly what they've created. But when you look at how they're, how they're executing that plan, that's where you see, okay, this company's different. Right. And, and that's, man, that's super encouraging to me as a business owner. And, you know, for people listening, I'm sure that that's an encouragement as well. Right. I mean, when you, when you started TA, there were plenty of other steel target companies out there. Oh, and there's more every day. I right. mean, I, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different companies that are, are making small steel targets and you know, we don't put them down because that's how we started. And right. at the beginning, we kind of just mirrored what existed until we really found what our, what our core calling was and how we were going to differentiate from the pack. Right. But yeah, know, it takes time. It's, and it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm sure you experience this. It's okay to not know everything at first. Yeah. I think if you, maybe you'll agree with this, maybe not. If you would have waited until everything was perfect, do you think you would have started Coltac? <laughs> Never. Well, and, and you know, that's something that I keep catching myself into this is like, Oh, you know, we can't release this product yet. Cause you know, what if the sales take off and, and we won't be able to keep up and, you know, and, and, like that's the worst argument ever. Like, and I'm, I'm, I catch myself in that. And so I'll, I'll sit there and we always seem to figure it out. Like we get, we're right now we are buried to the teeth and I, we tried so hard getting, you know, getting caught way ahead because between Thanksgiving and Christmas every year we blow up and, you know, and I'm, we're all, we all know what's about to happen in a couple of weeks and, you know, it's daunting, but you know, every year we seem to just figure it out and, you know, one piece at a time and one, you know, it's, it's, yeah. It's a, lear it's a learning process. Right. It you is. Know, you're, you're looking at your past, you're trying to figure it out. And, and we've done the same thing where we try to forecast, you know, what we're going to, what, what are we going to do? But then you realize that, okay, well, these months are double what we did last year. So we had right. no room, no room to prepare for the, the winter rush. Right. You know? but it's good problems to have, you know, I, it's as stressful as more stressful than I think, uh, anything else I've experienced. I'm not yeah. sure, but you know, for you, but yeah, definitely rewarding. Yeah, for sure. Well, and kind of like you said with the whole forecasting thing, like I always get a chuckle when people talk about, you know, business forecasts. I'm like, how there's, if you have that good of a pulse that you know, what's going to happen, like you spent way too much time on, on that stuff, in my opinion, stuff that doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I agree. I wonder how people, 
which I'm sure there, I've never taken a business class in my life. Maybe there is some magic, you know, thing, you know, group of things to look at to, to do that. I mean, the, the only, th- the only thing that we have is looking at last year and say, and right. kind of setting goals off that. Hey, if I can, if I can improve on last year, I'm going to be happy. Right. Well, and what's hard is like the first couple of years, like we really didn't have, it was sure we had some records of like how we were doing, but it wasn't very precise, you know, the first year or two. And we had a crappy website and that data, like sure. I have a general understanding of how we were doing, but it's hard to compare you know, how you did with the previous year, if you don't have the data or if it, you know, we've changed so much that the data is basically kind of useless. Yeah. We're, we're bigger than last year now. And that, so now we have a couple of years of, of data under our belt. So, and we can compare and try to extrapolate out, but like, that's about all what I'm doing is I look at, you know, how high we are from last year to this year and kind of try to multiply that out through the rest of the year and, and, and plan it forward. But like, it's like a three minute, you know, Excel spreadsheet little, calculation and not hours of you know well this account's going to do this this account's going to do that it's like you just keep keep selling stuff and just keep moving yeah it can't even do that because i it i was getting too i I was getting so wrapped up into comparing okay i I looked in november from last year and the year before and and say okay you know this is this is how this month's going to go and i was doing that for every month but i can't control when dealers place orders i can't control you know you know maybe that month last year i did some kind of promotion or something and it's just it's so hard to predict well there's there's, there's things that you can't predict and right you know there's only so much you can control uh you know so i of course i I, i'm preaching to my own little choir over here i i didn't really figure that out until about halfway through this year and kind of started to relax a little bit more uh in that comparison but so when yeah, you got, think, go ahead. When you got started, or when, or, or even now, is there a, is there a, is there another business or another entrepreneur, or somebody that you said, I, I, I want my business to be like them? Is there anything like that? Do you have an entrepreneurial idol? Um, I don't know if I have an entrepreneurial idol. I'd say I more have entrepreneurial buddies, and you know, like stuff that. Um, you know, as we've been growing, we've had, you know, talking with people, you know, just like you guys where, you know, they, they've kind of started their own thing. Um, you know, a good buddy of mine that I talk to all the time are the guys at, at blue alpha gear. Um, you know, cause we both are in the sewing, we both started about the same time. We both have, you know, sewing based businesses and, um, you know, so like, especially in the sewing world, there isn't much knowledge sharing out there at all. So really the only knowledge sharing that's happening is, is between those guys and us. And, and so, um, you know, that's been, um, so I would say, you know, I, I, we, we talk all the time and, you know, and try to figure stuff out. But I, as far as like a, a famous entrepreneur that I, that I look up to, I, I, I really can't put my finger on one. So it's because you're so busy building your business. You don't have time to find time one. To, right. <laughs> I, I've used that line before too, because I've been asked that question. I'm like, man, I don't even know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I have some that I, now I follow on Instagram or I watch, you know, I, I watch their pod or listen to their podcasts or do stuff like that. But at the beginning yeah. it was kind of just like, Hey, this is an idea. What do we got to do to make it work? 
and right. then you just hit the ground running. Right. Well, and I think that's the big thing is like I get hit up or, you know, I get approached by ideas all the time. Like, and it, we don't have an idea problem here. We have a, a capacity or bandwidth problem, you know, like, and I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is like, they think because they have this idea, all of a sudden this idea is so valuable, but really where the value comes in is, is actually executing. And like you said, hit the ground running and, 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 um, you know, that's, that's been, uh, kind of an eye opening experience as far as, you know, sure you have a great idea, but how are you going to take your idea all the way through to the end where someone actually pays you for it? And, and that, like, there's a lot of steps between an idea and cash in a check. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an understatement. <laughs> right. There's quite a few steps that happen there. Right. It, it, it's gotten more and more, and maybe you can, I'll, I'll pose this as a question for you. Has it become any easier for you? I guess it's, kind of, it's, it's less daunting. Like yeah. I've, I've accepted the fact that doing something new is going to be hard. And I, I, I understand like, okay, you know, it, it's still difficult, but I guess I don't get as, um, stressed out about it or, or, uh, you know, I, I, I have, I know what to expect, so it's not as big of a deal. So what's your, what's your biggest fear as a business owner? I guess, I mean, so there's always a fear of, um, like if, if, you know, the castle starts crumbling, I, you know, I kind of mm -hmm. compare this to build, we're building a castle and uh, especially now, like, I guess with employees, like we support other family, you know, I've got my own family to worry about, but then I've got other families to worry about and to provide for. And so like, you know, making sure that, you know, we're, we're constantly pushing and making sure that we're staying um, relevant and pushing for new products and better products and, you know, s having customer support that or customer service that, you know, rivals no one else. And um, so like, just, I guess that fear of like, if this all fell apart, like who all gets impacted? Cause there's, it's, it's not just me. It's, there's a, there's a whole, a whole crew behind us now too. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, even, even my part-time employees, I'm super cautious about hiring it, until I know that I'm going to be able to continue to offer them that job. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, fear of investments paying off, I guess. I, for the most part, mm -hmm. I've got that, I've got a pretty solid understanding, but there was, um, you know, some big investments that we took mainly when we moved into this building, like our big CNC fabric machine, like it was like that, that piece of equipment was, I mean, well, it was, it was 75 grand and like sitting there and saying, Holy cow, we got to cut a lot of fabric <laughs> to make this pay for it. Yeah. And like, I was, you know, so like those fears of like, is this actually going to pay off? And, you know, and, and what, what comes first do, you know, do you push sales to the point where you can't keep up with it anymore? So then you can afford this equipment or do you get the equipment first to help push those sales? Like it's, you know, the chicken or the egg thing. So. Yeah. And yeah. that's where you'll talk to business owners and find 75 different ways that people have approached it. And you're like, yeah. okay, that, that was not helpful. Right. <laughs> yep. At least in my experience, because yep. we, 
we've been in that boat, man. I, I know exactly where you're at. Yeah. And, and I don't have an answer. You know, right. I don't have gospel to tell people, but I'm more of a, I, I would rather plan and, and kind of pre-execute on certain things, at least get things in, in motion. That's kind of my, the way I think of things. But right. then I also, I totally get the idea of, well, if you run until you literally exceed capacity, then you have the cash sitting there at least at the very least you have more cash sitting there to go invest in something else. Right. But they both stress me out, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's been a, a, a financial disaster for you? Like what's been a big mistake that you've made that you learned from? Well, I mean, so I, I think the big thing uh, that we've spent a lot of money on and it's been a painful learning process is the hiring process. You know, there was a time when, you know, we basically, if you had a pulse, you come and work for us and we'll, we'll work through it. Like I, I had this high hopes that, you know, we could train anybody and, and I feel like I could, I can train anybody to sew or um, who has the right attitude, but really it comes down to, you know, attitude and, and finding that right person. So, um, you know, it's, and it's not, I mean, it's, it hasn't been a financial disaster, but, um, you know, it's definitely been, we put a lot of money into training people that, you know, don't stick around, don't work out. And that's been, and that's been really frustrating because like it's the people aspect of it. And that, that's yeah. been hard. Um, you know, uh, we put uh, probably the, the, one of the bigger financial disasters is when we were at our, at our house still, and we had employees there, we put all this money to put a bathroom in our garage and we were there for a month after the bathroom was actually finished to when we moved into our new shop. So like, it was kind of, we put a pile of like putting in bathrooms is expensive Yeah, built on this whole addition just so we could have this place. And then as soon as, as soon as we broke ground and like had that wheel in motion, this place came up to buy and I was like, Oh man, really? And yeah, I upgraded, <laughs> I upgraded, I upgraded our, our electric service there to 400 amps, you know, thinking we we're going to need all that there. So like, I've got a pretty yeah, sweet garage. Yeah. Sweet garage to just like keep cars and kids bikes in. So like I've got more power out there than what I know what to do with. But. And I, with every improvement that I made to my shop, I, I just, I had to ask myself, like, is this worth it? Because I know I, I knew it wasn't going to be there forever. I didn't know when I, I I I didn't think I'd be moving now, but but it was it was still a thought, like you know, is this worth it? And it really comes down to you're you're at least improving something that you own and that you'll get some you know, you know something back if or when you ever right. I'll go to sell. Right, and that's I mean, so it is nice. Like if I'm work tinkering on something in the garage and get all greasy. Like I can clean up out there now, which is nice. Yeah. If I had to, like, if I wouldn't do it again, if I didn't have a bit, you know, if it, if the, it wasn't for the business, I wouldn't have done it. Right. But if I ever build a garage in the future, I'm going to do that from the beginning. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So what about doing advertising? What's been, I know for me, that's, that's where I've seen most of my money just fly out the door and not, not get anything wow. back is taking chances of advertising. How, how much, time and effort do you guys take in that? Uh, I mean, so our, our, again, it's, it's a lot of social media, which, you know, it's a lot of 
more just time. You know, if, if you're running your own social media, it's time. It's your time that you're putting into it, which is, is very valuable, but it's not a, it's not a line item on the, on the P and L sheet at the end of the month. Right. So, um, so we definitely do some of that stuff. And then, um, yeah, man, I, we've been finding that, um, you know, we get, we get hit up for some crazy advertisements. We had, I had the, I had NASCAR reach out to me the other day and they yeah. wanted a half page ad in one of their flyers from one of the races. And I'm like, and what they were asking for, like, I was like, you guys are absolutely insane. I don't know, <laughs> like, you know, tens of to add and i'm just like i'm not i'm not he's glitched that. out there can you say that one more time dustin it was tens of thousands of dollars for a half page ad yeah. and then one nascar flyer at one race and i'm like i don't i don't see how anybody could just like i don't i don't understand those kinds of numbers as far as you know seeing an roi but so i mean we we do advertise on some of the social media platforms that i like and that i that i know i watch so i feel like probably like-minded people who like my stuff would also watch that stuff. So, you know, I've, I've seen good returns on some of that stuff, but sometimes you reach, you, you, you know, you, you swing at, at some of those newer ones or, and you know, it, they don't really pan out. And, um, you know, for us, because we're so into long range shooting, uh, and it's competitive long range shooting. So like we get hit up from, you know, sponsoring matches all the time. And, um, you know, we've seen good, good returns on some of that stuff, but sometimes it's like every weekend there's, you know, three, four different matches that are happening that we're getting hit up and you have to just sometimes just pick and choose because I mean, it's a lot of money that can go out and, yeah. and, and it's hard to, I guess with, with today's technology, it's, it is easier to track. So you, you can kind of tell you know, if something's panning out, but at the same time, like some of you have no idea where, you know, where you'll see a return on that. Um, so, you know, social media and then just actually sponsoring the, the actual events that are really tied into what we do. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been our big thing. So I actually got hit up by, uh, like a NASCAR driver, <laughs> and it was something like five thousand. Like this is like rear rear quarter panel, the and the, a spot the size of a I don't know, it's like an eight by ten or something. And it was like five grand. And I'm like, for the season or per race? He's like, oh, per race. Like, How many races? <laughs> it just I'm like, there's there's no way, right? I will say, Coltac does have the front hood sponsor of a stock car at a local. Uh, racing circuit in Wisconsin nice. because it's my cousin and <laughs> it didn't cost anything. And it was more, I wanted to help out my cousin. So, yeah. um, That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, there is a Coltac race car out there. That's if you're awesome. ever in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, go, go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's crazy. Cause it, I, I guess maybe it's just the dynamic of, of learning, just understanding what your market is because I remember at the beginning there were a lot of these different, I'll call them opportunities, even though looking back, they're just, they were a hoax. Not that the person was trying to rip you off, but just they wouldn't have worked out for what we were doing. Yep. But in the moment you're like, Oh man, 
a million people watch NASCAR or whatever. I'm just using that as an example. So if I can get in front of all of those people and only, you know, a half percent actually, you know, buy something, but then what you realize is how segmented your market can be and how you really have to hone in on who's buying your product over time. And and the shot, you know, the first couple of years was a shotgun approach for us. And, you know, trying to hone that in, I used the, uh, the metaphor that we had a cylinder bore in our, our shotgun for the longest time, you know, the first year or two. And we started switching chokes out and getting more and more refined as we've gone. Now we're shooting, you know, very precision projectiles. Um, Still still a lot to learn. No, I I, we threw away the shotgun. (laughs) Here I was trying to, I was trying to see if you'd say something about IWI and their shotgun that I've been seeing a play with. That thing, it is awesome. Dude, that thing looks awesome. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, it's it's wild. Uh, Ridge and I have been cranking out content with that shotgun. Yeah, I should have used that in that analogy. Now, dang it, I was leaving it. I was (laughs) leaving it for you. (laughs) You were baiting the hook, and I didn't even bite. We're getting close to the end here, but uh, uh, so just tell us a little more about you when when you weren't working and working on the business. What do you, what do you enjoy? What do you mean? Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, Um, (laughs) I mean, so this is that, this is that free time we were talking about that (laughs) you have. Yeah. Like gobs of. Right. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, so my wife and I, we have four kids. So, um, and they're, I can't believe like they're actually, like getting to be older kids now too. So, um, you know, I love spending time with them. Um, you know, this weekend, um, my second daughter, she's, she turned 12 in May. And so growing up in Wisconsin, it was a rite of passage. When you turned 12, you got to go to deer camp mm-hmm. to go deer hunting for the first time. So, you know, I, I did that with my oldest daughter and now my second daughter. So, uh, you know, awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And so hunting, I, I would say the big thing for me and what got me into to firearms the, to start with, um, was for sure hunting. I, you know, I've, I don't get out and do it enough. Um, I wish I did more of it, but, uh, I, uh, you know, that's, that's my big thing. I like being outside. I, I know you guys are, you know, you guys like to go jeeping. I, uh, I kind of have been doing a little bit of that as of lately. I don't know. Have you guys seen the, uh, Mahindra Roxor? No. no. Oh I, yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah, I have. I've actually seen that at, they're like an old CJ. It's, it's an old Willie's Jeep with yeah. a, what? with a 2.5 turbo diesel or yep. 2.5 liter turbo diesel. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I actually, funny story about that. I don't know if you know this, but I, I stuffed a Mercedes turbo diesel motor into my 99 Cherokee. I did not so that, know that. That was my project over the last year. I almost like I was considering getting one of those Mahindras instead so yeah i got one of those and so like going out with a family going out cruising with that <laughs> so you have one dude it's so much fun <laughs> that's awesome that's so cool yeah well and what's cool about it out here is you know because it's considered a side-by-side so like <laughs> my kids drive it around because it's the same thing as a four-wheeler like yeah i mean it, that's epic yeah it's so cool. it's pretty sweet <laughs> so um yeah so I, I guess so when i'm not i'm not working which really doesn't happen I'm spending time with the kids or being outside, you know, doing, doing outdoor stuff. So I hear you. It's yeah, cool. Yeah. Anytime I'm not in my shop, I'm trying to be outside doing something. I don't care yeah. what the weather's like. Yeah. So, so what's your, uh, what's kind of your, the year's almost over here. So what's your, your, your kind of goals here for the, for the end of the year and going into, into 2020. So, um, so we've got some, 
some bigger projects that are kind of overhanging us or, or they're, you know, hanging over heads right now that we want to knock out of the park um, before the craziness of, like I said, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, you know, we really want to just, we're, we're not developing much right now as far as, or, you know, we've got a bunch that's developed, but we're not releasing much between now and the end of the year. Um, I've got some new stuff that I want to release next year, early on. And then I really want to start getting into more technical um, products. So, you know, a lot of our stuff is, is fairly basic as far as, um, you know, the sewing goes. Uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of work and like, I'm not saying that we're coming out with a pack, but like we've been doing a lot of work and studying and, and I was actually at a course all last week on like pack manufacturing and um, learned a ton. And so I, I, you know, even if we don't do packs, like do it using those skills to, to, you know, make that next level, um, you know, more creative, more innovative stuff. So, uh, you know, we got, we got a bunch of stuff that's in the pipes that, that we're ready to go with. It's just, executing on it that's awesome that's exciting to have to have stuff in the pocket and ready yeah. to go and that's just such a good feeling yeah to have so well man i really appreciate your your time we've actually been talking about trying to get you on i think since like nra last year or something so i'm glad that we finally stepped Heck up on yeah. our end and yeah, got you on here it's been awesome yeah, to I'm, talk I'm, to you and i'm sure people uh learn quite a bit from from you and it i know it, i know every time i talk to you i i, I learn something so yeah no i appreciate, it. appreciate and, it you know uh i love talking about this stuff and that's and that's kind of like i've really enjoyed the the business side of of you know this whole adventure that i've i didn't realize was a thing until i got into it like you know it's it's been fun learning and growing and and you know all the stuff that I had no training in at all that I just, like we've talked about, you just figure out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, where's a, a good place for people to find you on the interwebs? The interwebs, well, actually, you know, fax. We prefer all orders to come in through our fax machine. <laughs> I hope you're not. <laughs> no. I hope you're kidding. <laughs> Dude, I had, I, I'm joking. <laughs> that would that, suck. Yeah. We, we had someone ask us for our fax number the other day and i'm like dude i'm under the age of 75 i don't have a fax machine <laughs> um no so our website is is the best way um there's links to email us and call us and do all that otherwise um instagram uh you know at coltac that coal.tac um, and uh yeah so it's it's the that's the best way some sort of electronic communication, which is easily found on our website. <laughs> the best way to get a hold of them is, is to send a message on every single outlet that they have. Dang you! At the same time, but you got to use like a different alias for each. Yeah, one. Use different so names. You have to spend like right? an ultra amount of time figuring it out. <laughs> but see, Wolf will, will combine them all, and I'll know it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, again, awesome. thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll see you next. Well, yeah, in a couple months, shot show. Yes, sir. See ya. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yep. Bye.